series called Hope for the Holidays, knowing that this is a hectic and crazy time. And as we kind of head into this, just a couple things to maybe uh, reiterate. One is the the Christmas offering that Pastor Nate talked about. Thank you as well uh, for your gifts, your sacrifice um, last week. Um, I'll announce those uh, the total at our Christmas Eve service next Sunday. We're going to do a lot of good with that. A lot of you gave to that. Um, Want to let you know that if you didn't get a, be a part of that or you're just hearing about it, um, we haven't reached our goal yet. So if if you want to know that, we'd love to have uh, more people give as well, but all of it's going to uh, be given away this year, used for great purposes. Also, um, on Christmas Eve, I want to invite you um, not only to invite people, but I also want to invite you, if you're in our children's or nursery, or if you're in our hospitality, or if you serve behind the scenes and our tech and different ones, I know Christmas Eve, um, it has replaced Easter as the most attended uh, Christian holiday. Um, because people are, are they, they, they make it a part of their tradition. They're more likely to join in on Christmas Eve. So it's not just an, it is an awesome night. If you haven't been to one of our Christmas Eve services, it is awesome. And I, it's, it's my favorite service of our year. And Pastor Dustin and the team does such a great job. Some great things for our kids in the children's lobby. You'll want to be a part of that in our new children's lobby. Um, but I'm, I also just want you to know, it's a night of mission. Um, it's not a night to take the night off. We need some of you to say, yes, um, yes, we have family things. We'll go to one service. We'll serve in the other service or we'll, we'll go to the first, we'll serve in the second or we'll, we'll serve in the first and we'll go to the second. So if you're asked, I'm just, it's an important night. It's an important part of our church that people uh, get uh, the great welcome, the great service that our church offers each and every Sunday also on Christmas Eve. Well, this was supposed to be uh, my opening illustration for Chief's Kingdom here today. I was going to start with my beloved Russell Wilson. Got through halftime and I... John and I, we were texting each other. We turned the TV... I turned my TV off. You turn yours off? No, you kept watching. You're a, you're a glutton for punishment. Um, I turned it off at halftime. And I just want to say to you, Russell, um, I just was beginning to trust you. Um, I was just beginning to have hopes for you and a future with us. And uh, I was going to, you know, on national TV, and uh, you were going to be my opening illustration today. And on national TV, you embarrassed me. And uh, you laid, a, laid an egg yesterday, and I can't even look at you. So we are going to go on to a, a, a second illustration, but a better illustration. I see, Greg, I see others wanting to applaud out there that we're not going to talk more about the Broncos. I totally get that. Love my chief's kingdom. I wish you well. I just can't wish you luck. So um, I, uh, I, I got a better illustration because yesterday... Uh, we uh, said goodbye to one of our beloved saints of this church, Elsie Nickel, 94 years old. And if you don't know who Elsie is, it just means you haven't been here very long. But if, if you've been here long at all, you knew who Elsie was. She was tall in stature. She was short in size. I don't know if she was four foot seven, four foot eight or what she was. Um, but she, she, had a, she had a way about her. She was a member of this church for 75 years. I learned some things about her yesterday in 2004. Uh, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. She was told she had less than 12 months to live. 
and the youth crew group gathered around here the night before surgery. They prayed with her the next morning when she went in uh, to, to have that surgery. If I understand the story correctly, they looked at the scans and the doctor said, we can't see any cancer. There is none. It, it is a divine miracle. And so, and then she's lived these last 19 years till she was uh, 94 years young. Uh, she had a presence about her. She, she was had a, because I think because of that moment with the youth of our church, she really dove into serving our church and pastor Kendall, uh, asked her at that time, if she would kind of be in charge of the kitchen. And when he asked her to be in charge of the kitchen, I don't think he knew what he was asking because she was going to be in charge of the kitchen. And, uh, if you don't know Elsie, I'm not sharing anything that wasn't shared yesterday, even from her own sons. Uh, Elsie, let's just say it this way. When I first was here as your pastor, I was asking other people and other pastors, why is everyone afraid and intimidated by some four foot, eight inch woman? Sign me up. I got to know Elsie and I was like, I didn't want to cross her. I didn't want to be on her bad side either. Um, first of all, I wanted her crepes, which she was the best at making strawberry crepes. So I wanted to be a part of that too. But there was a way that Elsie and her son said this, others said this, her neighbor said this uh, yesterday, that if you learned at some point to do it Elsie's way and all would go well. And if you did it Elsie's way, everything just went okay. It turned out well. And I would say in the same way um, that we let Elsie and Elsie began to be the cook of the church. And she, and she also wasn't just the cook. She let God cook in her life. But because of that, I want to say that things will go well for us. Now, I don't mean prosperity gospel, financial, you know, uh, stuff and, and materials and those things. We live in a broken world. Uh, good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people. It happens just because we live in this broken world that we live in. But nonetheless, things go well or better when we give our life to God, when we give our life to him, when we let him cook, when we let him be the, the master and the owner of the kitchen, when we give him control, like it did for those who worked with Elsie, it goes better when we give God uh, and we let God cook and become the master chef in our life. I want to uh, invite you to life's greatest invitation today as we look in this series of hope for the holidays. My dad, uh, many years ago, uh, when he was about to retire, uh, my sister and I were looking for something that we could do for him in honor of him. And he had never been to Israel. He had never been to the Holy Land. And so Heather and I and my sister and, her, and my brother-in-law, we kind of put our heads together and we said, hey, Mid-American Nazarene University is doing this Holy Land trip over spring break. Let's, it was a good deal. Let's, let's split it and let's send him. And we didn't send both he and my mom because we didn't have the money to send them both. Um, and my mom didn't really, you know, didn't bother her. And so my dad went and he had one of the best times, one of the highlights of his life. But what he would say, say to you is this, it was one of the most unexpected and unbelievable gifts that he was ever given. Friends, one of the most unexpected and unbelievable gifts ever given to us was Jesus. And we know it from a verse that most all of us know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world 
And, and the world meaning not just the things and the creation in it, but those he created us. He so loved the world, red, yellow, black, and white, uh, rich, poor, middle class, uh, any nationality, all ethnic groups. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life with him. That is the greatest invitation. And I wanna build on that greatest invitation, not from my words, but from the words of Jesus today, found in Matthew chapter 11, just three short verses. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In this middle of the busy Christmas season, I pray that this is a breath of fresh air this morning that God has given us a great invitation, life's greatest invitation. Four words today in this short scripture. The first is we're invited to come. And come is a, is a key word in the scriptures. It is said over and over and over. It's like God is screaming invitation. God is screaming out his invitation to us. And, and, and this is uh, multiple times I've seen it throughout the scriptures. In Isaiah 118, it says, come now to let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I love the snow we got a few weeks ago probably more inches in that time than our whole eight and a half years. I, I love this visual picture that that's what Christ does with our sins. He takes what is shameful, sinful, scarlet, red, a stain on us. And he says, come, let's settle this matter. I've done this for you. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. We're invited to give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Christ has given us an invitation so that we would experience real life, true life. Come near to God and he will come near to you. It's an invitation of his presence. God wants us to experience life. He wants us, us to experience his presence. Come is a, a key place in scripture. And it's a different invitation than what those 2,000 years ago were used to hearing. They were used to hearing from the religious leaders. They were used to hearing from the Pharisees. And it was a hard message. It was a message of religion. It was a message of doing. In fact, that's what religion is. Religion is having to earn favor, having to do something to get God to love us, having to do good deeds to get God to have favor with us. That's what religion is. Jesus didn't come for religion. Jesus came for a relationship. He came for a relationship with us. And it's not about us doing something because Christ has already done it. Christ has done it when he's paid the price in full on the cross. He has given us an invitation, inviting us into a relationship with him, not to do more. We do things out of love for him, not to earn his favor. Then he says, take Take my yoke upon you. Uh, yoke is kind of a different word. Um, I think of eggs when I think of yoke, uh, but this is not that kind of yoke. And I'm not a farmer, but I've tried to educate myself a little bit. Uh, and one of the stories that I heard was about a Kentucky farmer who uh, 
he was a, an adult son. Well, he was actually the son of a, of a Kentucky farmer. He went on to do other things in life. When his, his dad uh, died later in life, and he went back to that old Kentucky farm, went into that barn, and memories began to flood him, his mind. And he began to be filled with resentment and bitterness, frustration and anger at his dad, at his harsh childhood, how his dad made him work so hard. All the things the dad made him do and, do and the chores that he had, the burdens that he carried. But then he looked up on the wall and he looked up on the wall and he saw a bucket and, and that bucket reminded him that heavy burden that he had to carry day after day after day with his dad. But then he noticed something he had not noticed before. He looked up and he saw on that bucket, on the right side of that bucket, the, the handle was at the top. And on the bottom side, on the left side, that handle was on the bottom. And in that moment, he realized that his dad, his father had been carrying the burden. He had been carrying and doing the heavy lifting he had an unequal yoke. And that's what God has done for us. Do we have burdens to have in this life? We all have burdens. We carry burdens. We have all things, uh, all of us today, whether you're watching online or in this room, we all have things that we're carrying. But I wonder if someday in the light of eternity, when we look back from heaven and we look, if we would go back to the barn and we would see a bucket and we would realize that the top of that bucket was where Jesus had carried the heavy load and we were just along for the ride. We may have thought, and it, it is the burdens, I'm not diminishing the burdens that we carry, but in light of eternity, we see just like a horse with blinders on. We can just see what's in front of us. God sees all of eternity. And I wonder one day when we get to see all of eternity, and we get to look back, we'll see that, yes, his yoke was rather easy. Easy means he's a good fit. The apostle Paul said, clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Put on his clothes, meaning his clothes just fit well. They just fit right. Christ fits. Jesus fits. And if you're in this life and you're trying to figure things out, you're trying to do it on, you're, you're, you're just carrying your own bucket with, by your own handle and your own load. You're, you're, your burden is, is heavy. It's meant to be carried. Cast all your burdens, Jesus said. Cast all your burdens on him because he cares for you. Take and then learn. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Learn from me. Uh, Jesus' teachings were different than the religious leaders and the teachers of the law. They laid heavy burdens. Uh, 600 plus Old Testament laws that had to be kept, impossible to keep. And yet they kept them better than others. And so they got into that comparison. We talked about the comparison trap. Uh, I think last week when you get in the comparison trap, no one wins. Uh, because when we compare ourselves with others, we turn allies and friends into enemies. When, when we turn our neighbors or our spouse or anyone, when we begin to compare with others, our coworkers, we turn allies and friends into enemies. And, and that's what the Pharisees did. They compared themselves to everyone else. They're like, look how much more the law we keep. Look how much better we do. Look how much better we're, we're, we are at fulfilling these religious practices than you are. But they weren't comparing themselves to a holy God who is perfect in every way, but to a 
teacher who is gentle and humble and gracious and receives us and accepts us just the way that we are, loves us just the way that he finds us, but loves us too much to leave us there. Learn from me. And then he says, find. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. There's rest in the Lord. There's rest in Christ. When we try to do it our way, when we're trying to do it, live life on our own, do it for us and for me, without God's help, we find ourselves, you know, struggling. We find ourselves with shame. We find ourselves with regrets. But in him, we find rest for our souls. Come to me, four words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. We're we're in this journey. We're learning. We're growing. No one's there. No one's arrived. But we have a humble teacher who patiently, like a good teacher would, allows us to learn from our mistakes, allows us to grow and become stronger. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is... God's greatest invitation. It's an invitation that we receive at Christmas that we find our hope in Christ. I love the song that we sang today, Hope Has a Name. And people often look for hope in a better, bigger paycheck. They look for hope in a bigger, better house, or they look for hope in a, in a relationship that's not gonna satisfy or fill that void. They look, for, they look for hope in a lot of different things, but hope has a name and hope's name is Jesus. And when we let Jesus come into our life, then we let God cook. We let him become the master chef. We let him do a new work in us. And so I just want to encourage us this morning. Let God cook in your life. Let him be the Lord. It was, it was going to be the coach. It was going to be the owner of the team. It was going to be the head. Russell Wilson messed all that up today. So I had to re-punt and do things differently. But let God cook in your life. Let him be the master chef. And today, I was thinking about um, my, my dad and I was thinking about his uh, life and how the church has made a difference in his life, how God's made a difference in his life. My dad was, uh, I'm thankful. I love my dad. He's 83 years old. Uh, I hope he lives to 100. Uh, the likelihood of that probably, I'm, I just enjoy every moment that we do get to be together. I'm looking forward to Christmas, spending some time with him. But I think one of the greatest things I love my, about my dad is he's a storyteller. And he loves to tell stories. If he was up here today, he would have no problem. You've stayed at their home. He told lots of stories. My dad can talk to a post. Um, he tells lots of stories. I, love, I loved hearing my bedtime stories weren't the three little pigs and Hansel and Gretel. My, my bedtime stories were scoring four touchdowns in a Nebraska football game. Can you believe that? My dad scored four touchdowns in a Nebraska football game. And you can look at me like I'm a liar, but it's the truth. Now it's four touchdowns in a junior college Nebraska football game, but he did score four touchdowns in that game. He would tell you today that he ran the mile in under four minutes. And once again, you'd look at him like he's crazy or he's a liar. Well, it is true. He ran the 400 in high school and over a period of four weeks, he ran him in under a minute, four straight weeks. He did run the mile in under four minutes. My dad is full of things like that. I loved hearing my dad's stories. 
But the greatest story that my dad ever told me was about the greatest invitation that he ever received. You see, it was at the end of his freshman year at this junior college and the, the head coach, he had, had a good year. They, they didn't have a great team year. I think they were like two and seven, but one of their wins was against the number two. They upset the number two team in the nation. That's when he scored those four touchdowns. And he had a great year, but the coach needed to get better. And they were bringing in some new players. And my dad saw the writing on the wall and he knew he wasn't gonna fit into the plans. Athletics was everything to my dad. Athletics meant the world to him. And all of a sudden his world was kind of crumbling because he wasn't going to be the star anymore. And so he just had decided he was going to go back to Western Nebraska and he was going to farm with his dad, which is noble and which is a good profession. But he just found himself as a 19 year old boy, lost, frustrated, kind of mad, bitter, upset. And on a Sunday night in the middle of that summer, he was driving down in that little small town in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and he was going to take a left on that Sunday night that like he normally did to meet up with his friends, maybe drag Maine a little bit like you do in small towns. And he, he, was, he was heading that way, and he was got to Main Street, and he was getting ready to take a left. And I love when my dad tells this story. He said there was a pull on his heart. There was something that began to tug at him, and he couldn't take that left. He felt a tug to take a right on Main Street. My dad write a whole, wrote a whole book about this. It's a, it's a world bestseller. Um, it's 500 copies worldwide, 490 given away, 10 sold. It, one of the best gifts ever given to us. It's really for our family. But the, the title of the book is called The Gift of the Journey. And, and in that book, it tells the ups and downs of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But it tells of the gift of the journey and the subtitle is a right turn on Main Street. And in that moment, he turned right. Instead of turning left, he felt this tug on his heart. He went to a little Nazarene church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska that he attended off and on some. It was on a Sunday night. They had had Sunday night church back then and there was a special service that night, but he was there after the service was over. Most everyone had gone home. But a little saintly lady, maybe like an Elsie Nichol, met him out on the front steps, saw a confused young man and said, Roy, wouldn't you like to find Jesus tonight? Wouldn't you like to find Jesus? He said, that was the greatest invitation that I'd ever received. And I knelt with that lady and I prayed a simple prayer asking Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to be my savior and my God. And my dad his life began to cook and it began to, because he let God be the cook. He let God cook in his life. He let him be the master chef. He let him be the head coach. He let him be the owner and his life changed my family's life. It's changed my children's life because my dad let God lead his life when he found Jesus. And I'm thankful for a little church in Western Nebraska I don't even know if it's open today, but I'm thankful for that little church in Western Nebraska that helped my dad find Jesus. And that's our prayer for our church. That's our prayer for Christmas Eve is that people would hear the good news 
and respond to the gospel and say yes to Jesus. Let the church help you. So I want to share a couple things that Elsie Nickel, by the way, did these for 75 years. And if it's good for Elsie, it's good for her. This is something my dad's done for his life. And it's something that it's just, they're simple things. This isn't about doing things, but these are, there are good, healthy practices and things. And so as we go into 2024, if you want your faith to cook, if you want God to have control and to help you live your best life, I want to just give you three things to this morning. First, gather with God's team. I like putting things in sports language because I love sports, number one. But number two is church is a team sport. We're not meant to operate. It's not a, it's not a, it's not track. It's not singles tennis. It is a team sport. We need one another. We need each other. The church, Christ died for the church. He, he, he describes the church as the bride of Christ. It's his beautiful bride and he, he died for the church and we are meant for community. Gather with God's team. Gather on, on a weekly basis. Gather with God's people and I've, I shared this from Tony Evans a few months ago and several of you, it resonated with you. I hear people say, he says all the, all the time, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But he said, but you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. We are meant to be together. God created us for community. It was one of the travesties of COVID. COVID brought us to separate us and tore tore us apart. And we weren't meant to be that way. God made us for community, made us to be together. Let the church help you gather with God's people, but then don't invite others to join God's team. Enjoy it others. God's trying to throw a big party. He's trying to throw a big party. He wants many people to come in. I'm just telling you, the scriptures scream of invitation. They scream of, hey, we want others to join. We want others to be a part of this. Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares his heart when he talks about three lost things, the lost coin, the, the lost son, the lost sheep. And when each of those are found, they celebrate, they get excited because God wants it to make it clear. He celebrates when someone who is far from God comes into a relationship with him. He did it in this passage, Luke chapter 14. Jesus told this parable. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, come for everything is now ready. So this servant went off. He invited all those that, were, that he was asked to invite, but then he got rejected. And no after no, uh, people were too busy. It was work, it was family, it was commitments. And he came back and he told the master, he said, hey, I've invited uh, all that you said to invite. I've invited many and they're, they've had lots of excuses. And, and then this is the way Jesus finishes the story. He says, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. God wants to fill the streets of heaven. God wants to flood the streets of heaven. God is preparing a big party. Uh, He says he goes to prepare a place for us. If he goes to prepare a place for us, he's gonna come back and receive us. He, He wants a big party in heaven. He wants to populate heaven with people and he wants to depopulate hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should trust and come to faith in him, that, that, to believe in him, to trust in him. 
He wants everyone, wants us to compel them to come. So we're asking you to invite people for Christmas Eve, invite people this next year, uh, share God's good news with others that it's not about what you do or what you've done. It's about what Christ has done for you, what Christ has done so you can have a relationship with him. So I'll leave it with this, kind of wrap this up. Let the church help you this next year. Gather with God's team. Invite others to join God's team because the party can't be big enough. God wants more and more people to be a part of his family. And then learn God's playbook. We were given a great commission that says, therefore, the Jesus' last words on this earth were, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he didn't stop there with a period. And then he said, and to teach them everything I've commanded teach them. Well, how do we learn? We learn through his word. This is his word given to us. We gather with God's team. We invite others to join God's team. And then we learn God's playbook. And I know this can be overwhelming sometimes um, because sometimes I did this first service. I said, Hey, uh, have you ever done this? She's like, God, would you speak to me today? And you're like, like snow, cool drink and a harvest time. It's a trustworthy message to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. That's so much better than first service. First service called me a betrayer and a deceiver and all these things that, you know, I was like, that's no way to read the Bible. Read the Bible with a plan. And I wanna share with you two plans that I'm excited about that just, if you get a plan, then things can become doable. And so I wanna share two plans that I, I love, I've directed before. One is through the word. What I love about through the word is it's just one chapter a day. It just takes about five minutes. And then you listen to a commentary from a pastor for about seven to nine minutes. And it's real easy. So you just look for this app through the word, one chapter a day, and you do that, it's just like compounding interest. You'll learn the word of God. You'll get some training on it. You'll kind of learn things that are confusing, hard to understand. You'll have someone, uh, a pastor that's helping you understand what the word is. And then there's a thing called the Bible recap. And uh, I didn't ask for permission. I always ask for forgiveness because I don't always get it. So uh, this is something Heather and my daughters have done this last year. Now I'm gonna say that I think Reagan did it um, all the way through and I think Riley joined in July. So she didn't finish. The, the important thing is not to finish. The important thing is to learn. And so if you're interested in reading, you've never done this, but you wanna read through the Bible in a year, the Bible recap is for you. And, and you get on there and you, you read, it tells you what to read, the three or four, you listen to the reading, you can watch the reading. And then um, there's about a five, six minute um, kind of recap. That's why they call it the recap by Tara Lee Cobble. Um, she's a great teacher and she um, does a great job of kind of bringing out the highlights of what you just read. It's a great way to read through it. This isn't about doing, this isn't about religion. This is about growing a relationship with God. So it doesn't matter if you make it through or not. What if you did 200 times or 150 times this next year? You were reading God's word and not just reading it, but understanding it and being taught what, the, what, it, what it meant. Wouldn't that be a great way to grow? We grow by understanding, by hearing the word of God. So these are just two great uh, things. There's plenty of other, there's a plethora. That's a big word for, for me. Uh, there's a plethora. I sound really smart when I said it too. Uh, there's a plethora and I can't say it fast three times either. Uh, there's tons of stuff out there, lots of good stuff. These are just two options. 
that are great options to kind of help you and help us kind of go through the word this next year. Would you stand with me this morning? You guys have been awesome. Pastor Nate's gonna come up here in just a moment. But as you're standing this morning and I close in prayer, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as I pray today? And before I pray, the best thing that you could ever do today is to do what my dad did nearly 70 years ago. Take a right turn on Main Street right now in your heart, giving your life to Jesus Christ. Letting him be the master chef or the head coach. Let him be the leader of your life. And I'm just gonna do this quickly. I won't embarrass you. But if that's you today, I just wanna pray for you before we leave. You just raise your hand real quick for me. We have five or six, thank you. We got some here in the second service. Would you? It's hard for me to scan back and forth. So you just raise them again just to make sure. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We're just going to pray a prayer together. And I'm just going to ask everyone to sh- repeat this prayer after me. Would you repeat this so we can all pray this again? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you have a purpose for me. I trust you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.